Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. It's Fix It Shorts with Richard and Jim. Solutions podcast in 15 minutes or less. So at the time of recording this, Jim, just a few days to go before the European Union referendum in Britain, sometimes called Brexit, the question for voters in Britain whether to leave the European Union or stay, it could have major consequences on not only Britain, but also on the global economy. And we have a guest today who is a big advocate for Britain leaving the EU. He is Steve Hilton, who's the author of the book More Human. But most critical to today's discussion, he was a senior advisor to Britain's Prime Minister David Cameron. Who's leading the campaign to stay in the European Union. And and yet Steve is a really big advocate for leaving the EU and has a, a really, I find, fascinating perspective on this. So, Steve, make the case for Britain leaving the European Union. I think one thing that's really important, first of all, for um, American listeners to to really understand is that the EU referendum debate in Britain is not a foreign policy question. It's a question of domestic policy in the UK. And I saw this at first hand when I was in government because the truth is that over the years, the EU as a centralised bureaucratic institution, if you like, a, a federal government for Europe, has taken more and more control over domestic policy in its member states. And so when I was in government, very early on, actually, um, something that really uh, was striking was the number of times that we, and when I say we, I'm, I'm including the prime minister in this, would hear things on the media. We thought, hang this the government is announcing something that we not only didn't know about, we didn't actually agree with it. I thought, well, hang on a second, how can that be? We, we're supposed to be the government. What's, what's going on here? And so I investigated, and it turned out that up to 70% of what the British government was doing at any one time came from the European Union. Now, these policies are initiated not by elected governments, but by unelected bureaucrats in the European Union. They're policies that nobody in Britain voted for, that the British government often objects to, but has no power to block because the decisions on whether to go forward with them are taken in a committee of 28 countries where there's no veto, it's all a majority vote. And so you end up with a situation where Britain and the other member states have no control over core parts of daily life. So why should Americans care about this? Why is this bigger than just simply a vote 
by Britain regarding the European Union? I think that what's interesting about the the debate and, and the fact that the Leave campaign is doing so well, is I think it speaks to this frustration that people feel everywhere in America, in Europe and elsewhere, with the sense that for many, many decades now, um, and it's getting worse, um, we, we've, we've been run by a technocratic elite of bankers and bureaucrats and accountants who have pushed forward an agenda, um, irrespective of its impact on real people. And the agenda um, includes things like uh, an uncritical view of globalization and technology, the prioritization of efficiency above all else. You're seeing that kind of um, effect here in the presidential campaign in the response to Donald Trump. and Bernie Sanders on the left. I think it's that same sense of people not feeling that they have control over the things that matter to them. So how did the EU evolve? I, I remember, you know, in the early days, it sounded like like NAFTA, like a good trade agreement and travel between countries. It all sounded good, but it, it seems to have grown into kind of a, a shadow government. It's, it's, it's not a shadow government. It's an actual government. But with very little accountability to Correct. the voters in individual countries. Correct. And, and it, the evolution is very striking, and that's one of the reasons I take the view that I do that we should leave. And so, but but and, you're, well, not, you're not anti-European. Quite the opposite. I, I'm very pro-European. Um, my, my family's actually from Hungary. My, both my parents are Hungarian. I couldn't be more outward-looking in my view. Let's get to that in a second. But just in terms of the evolution, um, I think there's a clue in the name uh, of the organization. Uh, when it was first created... I think I'm right in saying it was called the European Coal and Steel Community. And it was a a very narrow alliance about coal and steel production between France and Germany, essentially. And the idea was that if if they could forge economic ties, that would prevent another war. And it evolved over time. The name kept changing. When I first became aware of it, it was called the EEC, the European Economic Community. It then became the EC, the European Community. And now it's the European Union. And that story tells you something about how it's evolved. What's happened is that in the, the core concept that, the, that certainly the British bought into and that I completely support originally in the UK, a common market, or you can call it a single market, that was what it was known as, where there's a, an ability for companies to trade across borders. That's something that's, that's great. But in the name of achieving a single market, the central bureaucracy of the European Union has grabbed more and more power in the name of what they describe as harmonization. They say, if you're going to have a single market, which includes the free movement of people from one country to another, then we have to have common rules for employment policy. Then we have to have the same rules for business regulation and environmental regulation. So Italy needs the same uh, worker safety rules as Sweden. So this is the way to think about this. I now run a business in California, and one of the things that that we benefit from there, and it's part of the culture of of enterprise and and great economic success there, are the employment policies. The employment policies of California are very different to those in other parts of the U.S. Imagine that the employment policies in California were determined not just by the federal government in Washington, but by a group of countries, including Bolivia and Venezuela and Suriname, um, that applied throughout North and South America, 
with no possibility for the US, let alone California, to actually countermand a majority vote from the rest of those countries. But that's an argument for reform, isn't it, rather than an argument for leave? The, the argument for reform has become the argument for leave because it has become quite clear that reform is not on the agenda. It is not available. Um, the original argument for reform, which many conservatives in the UK, including myself, supported, was that if we support the enlargement of the European Union from the core group of countries that founded it to include the Eastern European countries and so on, then it will be impossible for the imposition of bureaucratic centralized rules because it just gets too complicated. There's a phrase that was used, like we should, the European should be wider, not deeper. In fact, it became wider and deeper. Every attempt at reform has failed. There is no interest in reform. It's just time to accept that the central driving engine of the EU, which is France and Germany, and the bureaucracy in Brussels, have a particular vision of a federal Europe. And they're not with, very accountable. And, and they don't want to see that diluted. The only serious choice is to leave. Has it been personally difficult for you? Because David Cameron's a, a good friend and he's leading, he's leading the Remain campaign. Yes, but as, as he says, this is a decision for many uh, generations. It's more important than any general election. That's exactly why it's being handled through the mechanism of a referendum rather than in another way to, to enable people to be free of party and personal loyalties. So it's also, if you look at the way that the campaign is being conducted, you've got Michael Gove, for example, a senior minister in his government, who's also a very good friend of the prime minister and, and myself. And I think that there's no reason that this should be something that affects long-standing friendships. I think it's important. The whole, the whole point is that people should be able to speak their minds on something that is so fundamental to the way the country is governed. What do you say to people who say that this is going to cause massive disruption in not only Britain's economy, but, but potentially the world economy? I think that the way to think about it is that, um, that there are risks on all sides because the future itself is a risk. We can't predict what will happen precisely if we stay and especially when we take the long-term view and say, well, this is a decision for the next 40, 50 years. We don't know what's, what the world will be like in five years or 10 or 15, let alone 40. So the real question is, what kind of governing arrangements make most sense for a fast-changing and unpredictable world? And my view is that preserving maximum control and flexibility and your ability to respond to unpredictable future events gives any country the best chance of prospering in this world that we live in. Thank you, Steve Hilton. Thanks very much. Thank you. So, Richard, are you convinced? No, I'm not, actually. I still think that Britain should stay in the European Union. And the big argument that we didn't really get into with Steve is people have absolutely no idea what is going to happen if Britain leaves the European Union. Could so, be a disaster for yes. the British economy. Uh, so I, I don't really have a dog in this fight. I'm not sure which side I'm on, although Steve's arguments I thought really swayed me. And one key one is there's risks to both. You know, the EU is moving in a direction towards uh, more bureaucracy, more gumming up the works, a, a program that started to free up the flow of capital and ideas and products across Europe has become a big gummy bear of regulation yeah, and, I, and inefficiency. I, I agree with you. That is his strongest argument. I just think that there's so many risks involved short and medium term leaving that uh, I'm a kind of a reluctant stay. And I, I would argue reform the system from within rather than just merely 
stomping off in a huff. And but here's, here's what's interesting about the system. The technocrats who run it have deliberately made the, the power of the voters extremely remote. I mean, individual voters in individual countries trying to influence the EU is like pushing a rope. They have almost no power. Who's the president of the EU? Who elected him? No idea. No one knows. They insulated themselves from the political process so effectively that no country can really lead a reform effort anymore. I think he's right about that. And I think, to me, as someone who's cautious about overarching governmental institutions, because once they're established, they tend to get stronger and become more permanent. I think that perhaps the only way to shake up the system and start reform is for a major country to say, forget it, we're out. Okay, well, that's Jim's fix-it argument is leave it, and I'm in favor of staying, but reluctant. (laughs) We certainly do agree there needs to be major reform of the European Union. This is How Do We Fix It Shorts. I'm Jim Meggs. And I'm Richard Davies. Thanks for joining us. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great, too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at UH1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.